Who wants to tell you who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine, the new tropics for the brain. It's coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Java Chat. It's Coffee with Mike, hanging out here with a new friend, a gentleman by the name of Cause Green. Cause, thanks for joining us this morning. Mike, it's my pleasure to be with you. Awesome. Anytime I can have a little connection to Vegas right now, it's a good <laughs> thing. It's a good thing. Oh, you've been here before. You, you lived here for a while. You worked here for a while. You did a few things here. Um, I'm down but, in Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Well, kind of, well, basically where I'm at, I'm on the south side of the valley too, so pretty daggone close. Well, where are you at now? I'm actually in Utah. So this is where I was born and raised. Over the past, really, 13 years, I've been all over the country a lot. Nice. But about two years ago, I moved back here from, most recently, Chicago. Ooh. And after watching uh, all of the latest events unfold in Chicago, it was a good time to get <laughs> to Chicago. Yeah. Uh, uh, another subject. We'll have to have you back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, uh, it's enough to just say it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. And it is. It, let's on, just honestly. focus on the good things. And honestly, as a sad state of affairs, and, and I do wish them all the best. I hope things work out um, for the best for all of them. Uh, so you are a, you're an award-winning entertainer, which is awesome. You're a certified professional co-active coach, which I will want to ask you about in a little while. Um, you also have a podcast, correct? I do. What's, the, what's it called? The Cause Green Audio Experience. Good Lord, love it. That is awesome. What do you guys talk about? All things success, fulfillment, living an extraordinary life. Last week, uh, actually, it'll be released today. I had Brian Tracy on my show. What? I don't know if you've ever heard of Brian Tracy. No, I've never heard of Brian Tracy. <laughs> so I Who hasn't Brian. heard of Brian Tracy? What yeah, the so hell? So Brian's podcast will be released today. So go to the the Cosgreen awesome. Audio Experience, and it's a it's a great podcast. He and I just take a little stroll down memory lane from when we started working together about 30 years ago. I was 23 at the time, and I saw this little ad in Success Magazine about becoming one of his associates. And I didn't know what that entailed as a 22-year-old. I, right. I soon learned it took 30 grand in an application. Oh. So my mom and I drove all over town and got little $1,500 and $2,500 signature loans, came up with the 30 grand and applied and yeah. selected back in 1989 is just one of two associates that year. So oh. I feel pretty blessed. So I got to facilitate his stuff live. I mean, Brian was like 25 grand a day at the time. And yeah. I was a little cheaper, but I, <laughs> I basically gave his script. I had to memorize all of his programs and give them verbatim basically. And it was that had, awesome. to be, that had to be, yeah, I was going to say that had to be freaking awesome to learn from a man like Brian Tracy. And then in his to... office, he's still there in Solana Beach, but I would, I would go down every quarter and spend uh -huh. about a week with him and just sit at his feet and be coached. And I have some of the best stories of just, I'd run into little obstacles and I'd pick up, you know, pick up the phone and call him and say, hey, Brian, I'm running into this obstacle. And he'd tell me a little story and you can do this. And, he's, uh, you know, that's, one of, that's one of the things I really like about him. He's, he's, he's like ready. He's ready with a story or some way to help that and, and his encouragement is never it's like you can't bring the man down 
which I really uh, love. One thing I will say, uh, we talked about it in the podcast, is we had dinner one night at his house, uh -huh. and there were a few of us associates, and so he had set up these round tables in the living room. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Christina was nine, Michael was seven, David was five. So he had each of his children host a table of adults. Wow. And you know, those children held the conversations and move things along just like any, any adult would. So when he talks about raising happy, healthy, self-confident kids, it's not theory. Ian no, Barber no, did a great no. Job. Yeah. I, I, wow. I'd love to meet him now. Yeah. He's, those... uh, so he's 76 and it, uh, he's still young in, in essence, yeah, if and, you think but, about you know, it. He's still doing good things. Has a couple little health issues, but just more so with his hips. But he, anyway, great guy, really set a foundation in my 20s. And then I developed my own material by the time I was 25 or so. And I started to migrate towards my own stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, because we all come to that conclusion. Yeah, I want to be the next Brian Tracy. And then you realize, sure. no, you don't. <laughs> you yeah. want to be the best cause green that you can be. Absolutely. And, and that's really what the journey became is how do I become the best version of me? And, and, and pull in all the experiences I had had that, that make us all unique and, and, and celebrate that uniqueness. Absolutely. You, you had to have gone through some kind of transformation being with Brian Tracy. I can't imagine working so closely with a guy and not having some kind of transformation. Well, I can think, you, can you touch on that? Well, yeah. How do you not learn all that material? And in most cases, memorize it. Almost yeah. verbatim. Yeah. Like you could say, what is, don't actually do this, by the way. This is just a metaphor. <laughs> you could say, tape three, side B of the psychology of achievement. Halfway through, it says this, go. <laughs> and, and I would need to be able to, you know, have that material at the, at the tip of my that's, tongue. That's crazy. So how do, how do you not do it over and over again? And especially like the new psychology <laughs> of selling, how do you not teach that? Right. And then internalize that and mm -hmm. then use it in your own life. Sure. Yes, that changes your, your being. And I even said this to Brian in the podcast. I said, I can still recite all the natural laws from the appendix of the Phoenix Seminar on the Psychology of Achievement. And it's true. Jeez. And whenever you go through those moments, and I've had my moments, trust me, to where you, you tune that stuff out. Right. Well, we can talk about that if you want, but... We can talk about how we tune out truth and what we know to be true. And we sometimes abandon the very truths that make us successful. Mm -hmm. And we go through our own stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think what I learned most from him was, yes, the material and internalizing it. How could it not change you? But then also just learning, sitting one-on-one -on -one in his office or having yeah. dinner with he and his family in their home or vacationing and speaking together in Maui for Christmas, you know, those kinds of things. And, and where I was at 22, 23, 24 years old, how does that not put a rudder in the water for the rest of your life? Absolutely. I totally agree. That's kind of interesting that I, I do remember hearing that he came to Maui and that's where I'm from. So if, if I had, had where you're from Maui, you're from Maui originally? I am a Maui boy. Here today, gone to Maui. I yeah. love Maui. So are you on the Hana side or the Kahanapali side? I was on the Kahului side in Central, Kahului. near the airport. Near the airport. Yes. <clears throat> that was one of our favorite places to go. He Every Christmas, he and his family just spent it in Maui. 
Yeah. And, and probably on the Kanapali side until Wailea started getting up. It's, it's, well, I was an entertainer for 15 years. So what kind of entertainer? Polynesian music. I, I played pretty much everything. So but Polynesian music for the most part. Um, I did a lot of luau's, you know, that oh, kind of wow. fun stuff. They're in, in, in Lahaina or? Um, so it depended. Most of the stable shows were over in Kanapali and Wailea. But we would do shows anywhere. And then there were, you know, the after hours gigs where we go out and play jazz and rock and all that. Other after fun stuff. hours. Yeah. Well, right. There's only one real after hours in Maui. It's Pioneer Inn. And that being, <laughs> being, in, being in Las Vegas, both of us having been in Las Vegas, that's not after hours. <laughs> no, there, there are no clocks. See, you would never see this in uh, Las Vegas, right? Nope. There would never be a clock on the wall. Nope. nope. Not, not, in any, not in any place of, of gaming. No. Yeah, I just, yeah, we can talk about that one too another day. (laughs) (laughs) That's exciting. So we have that a little bit in common as far as entertainment, know what the the view from the front of the room looks like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I've I've done speaking engagements. I've done some things. I've worked with a couple of other gurus. Um, You know, you you learn. You learn from whoever you can. Um, I don't, I didn't have the list of mentors I would like, but I do have some friends um, like Ben. Uh, ben Gay the third, who is the author of the closers. Yeah, he's a good friend. Um, Bernie Dorman, who was the creator of CEO Space, unfortunately, he just recently passed away. Um, he was another good mentor. He's the one that taught me what uh, the concept of money was. That it's just an agreement. It's not. It's not anything that holds any power. It's the agreement that does. Um, Very you know, good. Yeah, that's, that's that's a powerful concept. It, it is honestly because it it a lot of people have a fear of that little piece of paper with Washington or Franklin or Grant. And it's like, why? It's just a piece of paper. It, it symbolizes an agreement. That's really all it is. The more agreements you make, the more you can get. It's, it's really not that. The, yeah, the, the deeper the agreement for the value. Yeah. Provide. yeah. Sure, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it does. So it's, we've all had those moments of transformation. I have a, a pretty decent circle now and I'm always looking to learn from anybody that's one of the reasons why i asked you on this is because i knew you had i didn't know you had brian tracy but i knew you had a good story well you know what's interesting and and people kind of gravitate to that because back when when i started working with him he was kind of known you know he had just had the psychology of achievement with nightingale conant and a few things but we were talking about on the podcast again that'll be released today he's releasing his 87th book oh my gosh yeah. So a lot of people didn't know him back then. So when I worked with him and I would try to, you know, get into corporations and say, so I'm representing Brian Tracy. Who? Yeah. Where that was not an asset to me. And yeah. in fact, it was a tough sale. You know, I'm selling this Canadian who's now re- relocated in San Diego that, you know, has answers to grow your business. That's a tough sell sometimes. Oh, yeah. Sell the invisible. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. I I look back now and and see the organizations that I worked with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, big media companies, mm-hmm. uh, big oil and gas companies, financial services, and what I learned being in those organizations. I, I remember I was working with uh, a large media organization, and they said, "Well, start with this TV station." Right. And so what I did is I went in and I was doing the new psychology of selling. So I had to interview and spend an hour with every single one of their professional account executives. 
Okay. Wow. I'm, I'm 23 years old and I'm talking to people who've been in the business for 23 years. Oh, I've heard this one. Yeah. I'm trying to find out what was their Achilles heel mm -hmm. or where was there an opportunity to help them. And the thing I learned then that has served me well is just ask good questions. Mm -hmm. Listen, they know what the answers are. They'll go through that process of discovery, and now you just need to help them circle back around to what they already know to be true, yeah. and then just take action on it. You don't need yeah. to teach them something new. <clears throat> you know, as Epictetus once said, uh, you know, you can't teach somebody anything new. You just kind of remind them of what they already know. And at that stage of their career, all I had to do is re remind people truths. And that's that they really so conveniently like to, to, to hide from themselves, interestingly enough. Well, because those inner saboteurs get in the way. Exactly. And that's why I'm on a mission to help people squelch the inner saboteurs because there's so much we could accomplish. And there's so many things that I have done in my life. And whenever I've gotten off track, mm. it's because I started to listen to a saboteur instead of the inner sage that knows what truth is. Now that goes into a, that goes into the uh, mental health aspect. And that's something that I don't think I have enough of yet. Um, on this podcast, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs deal with those saboteurs on a daily basis. I know I have. We all do. Everyone yeah. does. And, and, and uh, you know, even if we just focused on two big ones that really are affecting the country today, mm. kind of the ringleader saboteur is the judge. Yeah. Whether it's a judge, yeah. like in your mind, it's Judge Judy, or it's the judge from my cousin Vinny. <laughs> Whatever you want to envision up there on the bench is your judge who just tells you you're not good enough. Right. You're not worthy. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not rich enough. You're just not enough. And that's why I'm releasing here soon my new book, I Am Enough, Squelching the Inner Saboteurs. Because when I have worked with <clears throat> organizations at any level, and I've looked at somebody and just said, you're enough. Yeah. There's not one person who hasn't gotten misty-eyed. Oh, sure. Whether they're the CEO of a company, a religious leader, it doesn't matter. People just don't feel like they're enough because the inner judge just screams at them sometimes so loud. And everybody in, in a greater or lesser degree deals with that it's, it's imposter a, syndrome. It, they, that right there. So the reason why I laughed when you said that is because that very phrase sits on my board right here. I am enough that I get to read here and in my bathroom every morning. Really? Every e yes. It is something that I, I, I learned not too long ago. But that, Who did you learn that from? I'm curious. <laughs> Was it the uh, hypnotherapist from uh, the UK? No. no I no. forgot her name. I think I, I think you I, talked I, about writing I am enough on your mirror, whether it be a woman with lipstick or if you, you know. I've heard that version too. No, it, was, it wasn't her. Um, I'm trying to remember. But I remembered, I remembered seeing it and then stopping for a second and actually, you know, taking a solid, honest look and, and realizing that that saboteur, the judge, which loves to tell me that I'm not, um, is essentially full of shit. And I need to keep reminding okay, so myself you broke, of that. You broke through that wall, so you can use that word. I, now I know where we're at, so that's yeah. good. It's a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, no SEC it, listening. So that's oh, I don't give a shit about them. They can talk all the <laughs> shit they want. I I'm not on the radio station. Can talk all the shit they want. I I'm not on the radio station. Um, they that particular phrase really opened up a lot of stuff for me. 
And how so? Um, because that judge has told me that I'm an imposter for many years before I really started getting my ish together, if you will. Um, <laughs> look at me going right back to not saying shit. Uh, it, it's a shift the, happens. It's a yeah, shift. It is a shift when you, when you have that shift. And it's, and it was a, it was a mental realization that, because I'd heard it for years from other experts too. The expert that's in the room is the one who's talking. Nobody else knows what you know. And they may bring up other points that might either enhance or challenge, but that doesn't mean you're, you're not the expert in, in your subject. That just means that maybe you didn't research it enough and you need to be a human and correct yourself and keep going. Uh, maybe you are the one in the room that knows everything about that subject. So be available because you are enough. Don't be, don't be overbearing, be available. So if the question comes up that you can answer, you can offer. Um, and if nobody wants it, whatever, you know, it's not, I think too many people place mentally, they invest so much into the fact of what's going to happen if I say the wrong thing, not realizing that somebody in that room is going to pick up something that's necessary for their project their life, their mentality. If you can't, to me, this is just my opinion, if I'm not there to offer up what information I know, <clears throat> the factual stuff, um, and I know I know it, I'm kind of being a thief. I'm not allowing somebody else to grow. I'm taking away from their ability to have that experience. So to me, it was like, okay, I am enough on whatever it is that I'm needed for. When that opportunity presents itself, I will be ready to offer up what it is that's what's, what's needed. If I don't, I am enough that I will listen so that I can try to understand what it is that's being offered. The whole point is being, to me, the whole point of being enough is being a present human one that's willing to listen, one that's willing to share, one that's willing to work, and one that's willing to be there. Even if that's all it is, is just being there. That's what it came up to, to me. You are enough. And that's my message for the world is you are enough. You are perfectly imperfect. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That was, that was the part that was always the hardest for me, that last part. And that's okay because it wasn't okay in my head to just be enough. I had to be more. I had to do something else. I had to be better. I had to do, yes, you need to improve, but you're not perfect. You're imperfectly perfect, and that's okay. Those, those last three words took me a long time to get used to. I'm serious. Well, what's, what's interesting when, you know, we just said, and that's okay. I'm okay. What's interesting, and I only learned this really recently. I was interviewing Billy Mandarino. He's the author of the book, The Nowist. Oh, I've got to get that now. More oh, books. it's it's absolute, absolutely wonderful. And I recommend him. He's a great, great podcast guest. And I, at the end of our interview, I showed him the cover of the book. Uh -huh. And he went, wow. He said, do you understand the power of what you're saying there? And I was like, well, I'm starting to. <laughs> and, and so the, the thing that I've gone back to, because as a kid, my favorite movie was the 10 commandments, still one of my favorites. 
depends on what mood I'm in. If I'm in a good mood, then obviously it's the Ten Commandments. If I need a good laugh, then of course my favorite movie of all time is Tommy Boy. But nice. As a, as a kid growing up, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll agree with you on that. That's watching, a good one. <laughs> yeah, watching the Ten Commandments. And whether you're religious or not, it's still an amazing story. When Moses goes to the burning bush, are and we talking Charlton God, Heston? Yeah, Charlton yes. Heston. Yes, yes. Mo that Moses yes. goes yes. to the burning I bush. I agree with you. Yeah. And so, actually, you know, they're it, they didn't write this script. It actually is in the Bible. So he <laughs> says uh, it wasn't. It was a great scriptwriter, that Bible writer. I tell yeah, you. it was a great scriptwriter. <laughs> he uh, he just goes to the burning bush and he says, you know, I don't know that they're going to believe me when I go into Egypt and say that I represent God. So what do I say? What is your name? And he says, I am that I am. Yep. Whatever follows after I am is the most powerful dialogue you can have with yourself. Agreed. And most people's internal self-talk is I am not enough. Yeah. I am not good enough. I am does, not good enough. I am not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. Why do they do enough. that I'm to themselves? I mean, I did it too, but I, I, and I still to this day, I don't understand. I still try to look back and go, when the hell did I start telling myself this? And who told me to, that I could do that? Who started saying? Well, and what's interesting is we are not our saboteurs. So once we are able to surrender, and I don't mean surrender like, oh, tap out, uncle, uncle. No, surrender no, no. just means letting go. Yeah. So when we surrender from the unquiet mind, we take over our lives because these saboteurs are always there mm -hmm. and they're always just chatter, 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 whether it's the victim or any of the other, the 10. Absolutely. Uh, and so, so I used to, when I started the book, I, the subtitle was defeating the saboteurs. Nice. And, but, but I've come to the conclusion, you cannot defeat your saboteurs. You can't be David and Goliath and take the big boy out. So I've changed the word and I've really come up with a process to squelch the saboteurs. Now I'm old enough. As am I'm I. Older, I'm older than you. Yeah, but we, we still, we both know what squelch is. We, we know what squelch is. But when I was a kid growing up, we had CBs. Yep, we did too. And you had the little squelch knob, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. that just meant if you turned up the squelch or down the squelch, however you want to think about it, you can only pick up what was close to you, not that scratchy noise yep. from all the white noise. miles away, yep. right? Just yep. the trucker on the road next to you. Yep. So we do have the ability if step number one in squelching the saboteur is we've got to take personal responsibility, 100% responsibility. Not 99, not 98, not 99.5, not your favorite radio station, 100% personal responsibility. Right. And if you do that so that you're not listening to the judge or you're not listening to the saboteur, because there's a time to listen to the judge, right? Right. There's an yep. appropriate time to get feedback from the judge. Sure. But we, we don't need to be listening to let's say the victim all day, every day. And I think that's the one we let in. And often, today's often. media is spending bill, literally billions of dollars on you. Mm -hmm. Well, their sponsors are, and they're spending billions of dollars to put a message in your head. You're not good enough. But if you buy this product, you'll you be prettier be. and yeah. then you'll be enough. Yeah. Or if you do this, like this spokesperson, then you'll be thin enough and then life will just 
magically have all the fulfillment and extraordinary benefits you've been looking for. So we've been conditioned to that, that we're just not enough until we buy stuff. Yeah. And then and we, we come buy to that realization yeah. that it doesn't matter how much stuff we buy. It's never going to change. It's, it's never going to come from the outside. No. Nope. The I am enough has to come from right here because if it doesn't come from right here, we will never find it. So it's not in the external world. Nope. So going back to our opening conversation about that particular mentor again, the law of correspondence says that our outside world is simply a mirrored reflection of what's going on on the inside. inside. Yep. And we're chasing the outside and the media is so good right now. Think about what the media is telling the entire world, especially us in America, what we're listening to right now. Mm -hmm. You're not enough. You're just not enough. You were born with the wrong skin color. You live in the wrong neighborhood. You right. didn't get the right education. You're just right. not enough. Right. And we're subscribing to that beep and we don't need to. I, I think enough. it's, I think End it's it today. Constant. End it today. It's the constant bombardment that eventually gets somebody because it's, it's that, like you said, conditioning. <clears throat> well, and I have to be careful because I can't indict the media because for the last 20 years, I just, I just retired or left media. Most recently, I worked for uh, Comcast NBC Universal. So, oh, my. Oh, but, my. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Tigers and bears. Oh, my. So exactly. I can, I can actually talk about this with a, you know, with a bit of credibility in what the media tries to do and what they're doing very successfully and unless somebody hasn't already figured it out you know it's just all about clickbait and ratings and that's all it's ever been about that's it. you you and i have seen that's this it. and the, although i've only been alive since the 70s when i went and dug in this has been going on since the 60s you know it's been going on since Gutenberg invented movable type oh my gosh yeah i mean actually actually you're as far right as, as, if you as think soon, about well, it even before that, you know, uh, tribal storytellers would still give you propaganda. <laughs> they they have a narrative they were trying to, to push. And, and in today's world, it's just so fragmented. You know, growing up, again, before you, mm. uh, my family had a remote, me. And it was, <laughs> get up and change the channel, cause. And we had ABC, NBC, or CBS. And now you can turn on your dish or direct TV or. On your phone. Xfinity or whatever. On your phone. And there's a thousand channels of nothing. You don't even have to be on your, on your TV. You don't even, you, it's, okay, you can well, walk you're, around you're with TV this junk. everywhere, you know? Yeah, it's the crazy. sound, motion, and emotion, you know? Yeah. I mean, because they put your powerful message on the screens people watch most. And that's the one that, that's right where, where they, they condition live. you. That's where they condition you. It, it's, yeah, it's how much so... screen time are people getting? Ugh. How can you not? So you were talking about how well I was influenced by BT years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's mm -hmm. all I listened to 12 hours a day learning the script. Right. People are watching this for eight, 10 hours a day. How are you not being transformed by that? What? So we talk about your physical diet uh -huh. because we're talking about physical health. Well, you also want to talk a little bit about mental health. There's your biggest culprit to mental mm. health. All day. I agree. Here's, here's, a, here's a story for you that'll, that'll just continue. <laughs> I hate to say the confirmation bias, but this will totally confirm what you just said. I was at a networking, a business networking deal, um, probably close to 120 people. Great place to go and network, recently, meet people. Not recently. Uh, no, this was last year. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bust you. No, yeah, no. right. Mm. No, no, I actually was, it was, um, actually, excuse me, it was back in 2018. 
but I vividly remember this happening. Um, it was one of the local uh, entertainment spots. It's kind of a restaurant slash nightclub bar, whatever. Um, walked in, about 120 people. Good night for networking. A lot of good people. Met, met a bunch of folks. Walked towards the back where the second bar was. I come up around the corner. There's a little table off to my right. Three young ladies sitting there. They're part of this networking event too. Swear to on this, they're sitting like literally across from each other and they're on their phones, smiling, laughing, touching the screens, everything else. And I took one look at that and I went, are you kidding me? Why did you guys show up here? This is not how you network. This is not the way to interact with other humans. What are you doing? Noting their, noting their age which or their general age, I was thinking, well, maybe this is just that generation because it's being said. They're the ones that have the technology. And I thought about that and I was like, no, something else is amiss here. They don't, they either don't understand the concept of networking, truly, or they honestly just came to hang out on their phone and continue to, like you said, take the conditioning at that point. Well, you can't go out to dinner without seeing even whether... And, and you don't know, are they married or are they on their first date, but they're both just, you know. You can't tell. Now, if, if they've been married for 10 years, okay, I get it. That's why they're <laughs> not paying any attention to each other. But if they're on a first date, that's, that's the last date. That's the last date. You know <laughs> that's, that's the last that's date. Crazy. But it, it's, it's still the same thing. Whatever we value. So if we're in a one-on-one -on -one situation and someone's paying attention to their phone, then that's more important than this. Yeah, yeah. That's why we've got to put them down. And I think, just I think, and that's, and that's a, I think that's part of it too. Is that again? Because like, I, one of the things I do is I teach business etiquette. I haven't done it in a while, but oh, I still, good. I still do my best to live by the the guidelines and principles that go with it. And being present is really what it describes. Funny enough, it actually goes according to that wonderful script that was written for the Ten Commandments. Mirrors the same principles. The idea of being present so that the other person understands that you do value them. You value their presence. Why you're there, you're listening. Present? You're there talking. You're there actually interacting on subjects that they want to discuss. And, and they're doing the same in kind. If, if it's genuine, it honestly doesn't matter what subject you're talking about. You could be having a I, – I, I had a girlfriend once that I had like long debates about subjects that we didn't agree on, but I loved being with her. I really did. And she enjoyed being with me. She's like, you're the only, you're the only guy I can have these debates with. I'm like, sounds like we're fighting sometimes though. She goes, it does, but I don't feel like we're fighting. I actually feel like we're talking with each other. We actually feel like we're actually having a conversation. I was like, okay, cool. Now, unfortunately we, we didn't stay together and for other reasons, um, youth and inexperience being minds. Um, but I, I remember those conversations. I remember those times and they're, they, you know, that's what it means to be present to me is if you can feel alive being with another human and hearing and, and re you know, not reacting, I shouldn't say it that way, but interacting in a manner that's pleasing to both. Isn't that what we're supposed to be about? I mean, isn't that how humans promote humankind? Am, that's I, am where I missing that something? Comes from, right? Yeah, I would. I would think that that's the way to, that humans can actually have 
a meaningful connection. Yeah, we have technology. I'm, I'm glad that we have things that make life easier. Um, how dependent we've become upon it is a little concerning to me. But then again, both of us were, were of the older generation. The newer generations, just they, they were born with it. They're using the heck out of it. My son dances circles around me on my stuff. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll sit here on my computer and go, hey, I can't figure this out. I'll get this number. <sighs> and then he goes down the computer and he knocks it out. I'm like, you realize I don't look for that stuff <laughs> on a daily basis. This is why you know it and I don't. It's like, oh. but, are there, but are there relationships better? I don't know. And that's one of the things that I, I keep wondering about. Are there relationships? They're, they're not deeper. I mean, I'm here. Isn't that what we're supposed to be about? I mean, isn't that how humans promote humankind? Am, that's I, am where I missing that something? Comes from, right? Yeah, I would. I would think that that's the way to, that humans can actually have a meaningful connection. Yeah, we have technology. I'm, I'm glad that we have things that make life easier. Um, how dependent we've become upon it is a little concerning to me. But then again. Both of us were, were of the older generation. The newer generations, just they, they were born with it. They're using the heck out of it. My son dances circles around me on my stuff. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll sit here on my computer and go, hey, I can't figure this out. I'll get this number. <sighs> and then he goes down the computer and he knocks it out. I'm like, you realize I don't look for that stuff on a daily basis. This is why you know it and I don't. It's like, oh. but, are there, but are there relationships better? I don't know. And that's one of the things that I, I keep wondering about. Are there relationships? They're, they're not deeper. I mean, I'm, they I'm, can't I, be. I, I've got friends that own businesses and people are quitting over text. They just don't show up anymore for work. And if they quit, they just send a text. I had, right? I had, I had a so conversation with a researcher. No, 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 no. I, I agree with you. I had a conversation with a researcher out of San Francisco who we were discussing at the time, the whole millennial thing was a, was a big uproar and she was a speaker. God, I wish I could remember her name. Um, she was a speaker here at, at a, at a big conference, medical conference. And she says, these millennials have gotten so bad. She said, I was standing in the same room with one of the, with one of the other workers. She was maybe five or six feet away from me. She sends me a text on my phone saying she didn't want to do the project she was assigned. Right there. And she sends a text. That's safe, she, though. Yeah. Because there's, it's, there's no risk. Only, there's, there's, well, yeah, there's risk, right? But it's just, we're just pulling the pin and lobbing the grenade. And, and praying for rain. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and let it blow up. And, but I don't need to interact. And, and that's, and that's where, where the problem that's, Therefore, you were never connected. Connected is this, right? Yeah. But if you're just lobbing the grenade and then they lob one back and all you're doing is playing ping pong through text, that's not a relationship. Take, take a look at the rest of the country. How many grenades? But you know what? I think it's, it's, it's dangerous to just say, well, the millennials, because hmm. I also know. This was that time. This was that yes. time when everybody was being, you know, it's old millennials. I know some nah, good millennials they, that have figured it out, but. I know, they, some, I know some Gen Xers and boomers that are just as bad as what was laid on the, on the millennials. Yeah, they got a bad Because they're rap. using that as a crutch. So yeah, it's, it's not. It doesn't it's, matter what your age is. It's your uh, it's, inability to put down the distraction. Thank you. I, I agree. And that's, they got, they got saddled with a bad, with a bad rap. You know, everybody, every generation seems to get something of a bad rap when they come out. I obviously What was it I for the 70s children? Lazy. <laughs> 
know you were lazy. Same thing about kids today, right? Uh, exactly. So it's like, and, and I'm, I'm experiencing this even with my own. Dang son. it. Everybody judges that dang judge is front and center for everybody again. I'm, I'm telling you, mine's is Joe Brown because it's hilarious half the time. I, he's such a great judge. I love watching him. Not, not that Judge Judy isn't awesome. She's, she's, her eye rolls are wonderful. But, yeah. What's your, what's your judge? Though? Your judge, your judge has sentenced you to a life of misery because you've got to pay the price. And there was a point in my life price, about 11 though? years ago where my judge was judge, jury, and, and executioner. Execution. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. So it was mine. No, literally executioner. And luckily, the guy that wrote the, you know, the Ten Commandments said, no, nah, wait a minute, cause I have a little higher purpose for you. Because at first, I, I would never admit it. But now 11 years looking in the rearview mirror, I can admit that I did what I did. And I attempted suicide, not once, not twice, but three times in one day because I'd had enough. And my judge said, it's got to end today. And so I didn't get killed by the train. I waited and I waited. There should have been a train. There were trains that came by there all day, every day. Why was it this day? The train didn't come by and my air conditioning had just gone out in my car. It's June 20 something. It's hotter than Haiti. And I was like, I've had enough. So I drove right to Walmart, got the, the, the dryer hose and duct tape. And this was it. And so I sealed up that bad boy car there. I mean, tighter than a snare drum. Nothing was going to get through. This was foolproof. And so that night I downed my stash of every conceivable prescription that had been given to me to try to help with the depression, anxiety I was going through and uh, choked it all down, turned the key and jumped. A couple days later, I woke up in the ICU of a hospital. And once I was able to, you know, get detox from all the crap and get my stuff together, then I thought, well, great. Now I'll just get out. Well, no, they have other plans for you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they so do. <laughs> they, they come and escort you to the ambulance with a couple of security guards, and then they transport you somewhere else. And I was there for nine days. And I would say that, you know, some would say, wow, it had to have been a horrible experience. No, I... I really learned a lot about myself. And when I was there, the psychiatrist even said, who prescribed this? You should have never been taking this cocktail of drugs because I was just going through some, some real, you know, it was just the perfect storm. Yeah. And so I had reached out to medical attention to try to get something to get through it. And what they gave me was worse. And the doctor said, you know, you know when you watch a TV commercial, Mm -hmm. At the very end, that voice comes in really fast, kind of soft and says, you know, by taking blankety blank, 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 it may cause suicidal thoughts or actions. Duh. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, right. Oh, one of those guys. Mm. And he said, I'm surprised you didn't jump off a bridge three weeks ago. Mm. So once we got off that, understood what was going on, I was able to turn my life around. And within a year of that, uh, I was speaking and training and doing so many amazing things. So I'm grateful I got through it, but I do have to tell you just, can I tell you my pivot point? Please. That's, that's the, <laughs> that's the transformation so point. I'm gonna, gonna I, I get out of the hospital. Uh, uh, I get out of the hospital on a Saturday and mm -hmm. we're at uh, the drugstore picking up the right prescription. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get a call on my phone that, uh, and it was your mother has fallen and she can't give up, you know, get up a little oh life away. Yeah. 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 And uh, so she goes into a coma didn't see her alive again hmm. uh, or wasn't able to talk to her. Anyway, she passes away a couple of days later. 
And so we do the funeral and everything. And, and when I got out of the hospital, I'd gone back into the garage and, you know, it was kind of a haunting experience to walk into the garage and it's still all just taped up. Yeah. Nothing, nothing had been moved. Oh, wow. And so I took it all off and then my mom passed away. We had the funeral. Well, my daughter's 15 at the time learning how to drive and I was not going to tell her what had happened. So, right, right. you know, just get on with your life. So that would be a, that was a decent car for her to, to learn to drive in. Mm. So we go out to the garage, open the garage door. I get in there to start it and the lights come on, but there's not even a noise. I mean, it doesn't click. It doesn't anything. Mm. And so Ben was 11 at the time. And so we push the car out of the garage. Right. And on the floor of the garage is this big pool of oil with these little charts of metal. Oh. Now, I'm not a mechanic. I can fix a computer. I can't fix a car. So I got to take that to mechanics. So we tow it over to the mechanic. The mechanic puts it up on a lift. And then he comes over and he says, uh, what was going on? And I, you know, I wasn't going to admit, well, I was trying to, you know, uh, I was just trying to end it all. I was trying to off myself. Uh, so I was like, well, Jeez. the car was just uh, idling in the garage. And he says, well, this is strange. Come, come look over here. So we go under the car and he takes the, the flashlight and he points right. it up to the engine and he says, that's where the piston came through the side of the engine. The block cracked while you were, oh my gosh, that's crazy. So had the car not died, you would not be here. I would have. Yeah. So was it two minutes before it was too late? Was it 30 seconds? Was it five, five minutes? I don't know. But all wow. I know is whether it was divine intervention, which I would like to think, but because that engine died, Therefore, the carbon monoxide was not coming into the car. Yeah, it was the drugs that just now, took I out. had gotten enough that yeah. I had to be in the hospital, you know. Sure, sure, sure. And then also to, to work through all the, all the stuff I had taken. But mm. when I was standing under that car and put two and two together to think that's why the car died. Because I hadn't figured out. So when I woke up in, in ICU, I just felt worse, right? Sure. The guilt and shame of, geez, you suck at killing yourself. You didn't even do that right. Once I got through all that and had my own Patch Adams experience in the hospital <laughs> and, and just really started to come back alive and get back to what I knew to be true, yeah. I realized that, okay, you can take this experience mm -hmm. and just use it for your own good and, 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 and live an extraordinary life. Or you can accept the responsibility that I have given you to now be a messenger of light. And to help others realize they are enough. Yeah. That there is a, a new day tomorrow. The sun will come up. Now, it's important. Don't live in the past. You become senile. Don't live too far in the future. You're on someday aisle. You got to live in the now. Yep. But there are people out there that you will touch in a special way. Mm -hmm. So don't hide this light. So shine brightly because someone out there needs to be guided by your light. And I, and I took that as my mission mm. and, and it's taken some time because at first I didn't want to say anything to anyone because I didn't want my children to know. And I still remember having those one-on-one -on -one discussions with my children to let them know what happened in that summer of 2009. And I thought they would run and hide, but they only, they only loved me more. Mm -hmm. And we were able to talk about the shallow gene pool we come from. 
And it was so cathartic and it's been helpful for the extended family as well to come together and say, you know what, my dad dealt with this or my mom dealt with this or we as kids, we deal with this. We got to talk about these things. I swear this is the stuff that nobody and everybody's afraid of talking about it. And, and but no these one are the wants moments. to swim in the gene pool and we have to. Yeah, if we don't, that's we'll part never of know. your enough is yeah. you're not alone. Yeah. And I think too many people right, your feel cousins that. might be going through this. Your parents may have been going through this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whether you're related or not, we as a human species are going through this together. So we've got to overcome the stigma and the taboo of talking about this. Yep. And I know a lot of people say, well, I never know what to say. And, and here's the one little piece of advice. Just listen. Yeah. You don't need all the answers. Just they're, not, they're not your answers to have. Just I, I, Yeah. A lot of times, again, be present. Half the time is just sitting there and just really being empathetic to to what's going on there. I, I, I've I've had some of these conversations with people because I I went through it not long ago myself. You know, major depression. I didn't I didn't have the counseling. I had two friends. If it wasn't for those two friends, you and I wouldn't be sitting here either. They thankfully. I'm they, glad you're here, Mike. Yeah, I'm. So my the first one got me straight on my relationship with Christ. That's. He basically told me your last two years have been a joke and you've messed that relationship up. You need to change your focus, get it off of you, get it off of all the crap that you've been dealing with and go fix that. That was one. The other one was a good friend who's my birthday buddy. We were born on the same day. Um, and she says, I see where you're at. I was there. I don't want to see you there. So if you need to talk, you just call me. I will pick up the phone and, and I will listen. And she did numerous times. I mean, Numerous well, those times. were true friends, though, because most people run and hide because they just don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Or they think it's they're going to be shouldering they, the problem. It's not that they can't be empathetic or they don't want to. They just don't know what to do. Yeah. And most and people just run and, run and hide. It's, it's an awkward feeling. I mean, I, I remember trying to be present when I first started understanding what that meant and just really getting scared when I started hearing some of the things that I heard. I mean, simple stories where people have had to battle thoughts of suicide and things like that. I'm like, what do I say to this person? You don't say shit. <laughs> you sit and you listen and you let them talk. And if, if, it, if, it gets in a stop, if it gets to a sticking point, encourage them to keep going. Hey, you know, how did that feel? I mean, that's kind of, you know, did you, did you really feel this way? Why? Do you know? Okay, keep going. And, and but to your point, you listen, but then I think you, you may not necessarily give them advice, but you do need no. to ask a couple of questions. What kind? Okay, so that, that brings up a good point. What are the good questions that can, that can be asked that will help them come to that point that you came to, that I came to? I didn't have all the answers. I don't, I don't think there's one pat answer, but recently I had Frank King. He's called the mental... Uh, mental health comedian. Nice. A lot of great uh, TED Talks. Be a great guest for you, Frank. I, I'm, I'm writing his name mental, down. <laughs> mental health comedian. He was on my show, and he actually has specific questions that you do ask. Nice. I'll definitely and want to talk. It's to interesting. Him. In his introduction, you say, and here's a guy who's thought about killing himself more times than he can even count. Wow, okay, that's quite an intro. Yeah, no he's, kidding. He's a great soul, but he does have a specific methodology. And a couple of the, the things you do want to ask people is, you know, how serious they are about it. Um, 
Oh, definitely. And the question that he's added to the end of his little dialogue is, what's your plan? And if they actually have a plan, they're a whole lot more serious. Yeah. So you do want to ask a couple of questions to frame it of where are they? Yeah. Because some people might be moments away. I know for me, I'm not sure what your experience was, Mike, and perhaps you'll share. I called the suicide hotline half an hour before I tried to kill myself. Wow. Before I was so disgusted, left the office and drove over to the train tracks. I, I called the, the suicide hotline and I was so impatient. I finally just said to the kid, I'm like, stop reading the script. Yeah. I just wanted somebody to listen, to validate me that I was enough and that it was okay. And that there was hope and he was going through some script. Yeah. And I just thought, put the script down and just listen to him. And he wouldn't, he just kept going on with the script. So I just hung up and got in my car and that started the worst day of my life, but mm -hmm. also was just an, an, an incredible turning point. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know that I would have had a plan. I do know what I felt and I'm, I did not call the suicide hotline. Maybe I should have. Um, I ended up calling those two friends. Um, they were my hotline. That was better. Yeah. They were my hotline. It was, uh, and I guess I didn't feel like I had that lifeline. Yeah. I, and then I, I remember, how are we for time? Just one little story. Oh, yeah. We got time. So last year, it was actually on the 10th anniversary of, I, I don't even know what to call it, but mm. that day, right? Yeah. 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 I just, in my mind, I remember about that time of year only because when I came to in the hospital and realized it was the 23rd of June, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, my son's 11th birthday is tomorrow. And I always promised to be there to pick him up. Sure. And my ex-wife at the time, time gave me that look, you know, hands on the hip and thought, well, and said, well, you obviously weren't thinking about being there tomorrow for Ben's birthday. This was not his mother. Uh, it was my second wife. Uh, said, well, you obviously weren't thinking about being at his birthday anyway, because if you were dead, that you wouldn't have been there. Oh. So when I realized what oh, I had done, that I was going to miss his birthday the next day, because I had never missed his birthday. I'd never missed an important day. Even mm -hmm. when I lived in Vegas, I drove to Salt Lake every right, weekend right, right. when I had my kids. Um, but anyway, so it's 10 years to the day. I'm sitting around a campfire. Uh, just outside Manzini, Iswatini, which is a little country just to the east of South Africa. Okay. So a friend bought a plantation there and uh, donated it to a charity. And we go and we feed the kids and try to help them all year with care points and everything. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting around the fire and, and I'm sitting with kind of a who's who of just, I mean, there's one of the original 50 from Microsoft is sitting across from me. Another wow. guy, he's got, you know, his kids have a YouTube channel with 10 million subscribers. Goodness. My other friend, uh, you know, does very well. So I'm kind of with a who's who. And, mm -hmm. and uh, our buddy's a successful attorney from Orange County and a little country just to the east of South Africa. Okay. So a friend bought a plantation there and uh, donated it to a charity. And we go and we feed the kids and try to help them all year with care points and everything. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting around the fire and... And I'm sitting with kind of a who's who of just, I mean, there's one of the original 50 from Microsoft is sitting across from me. Another wow. guy, he's got, you know, his kids have a YouTube channel with 10 million subscribers. Goodness. My other friend, uh, you know, does very well. So I'm kind of with a who's who. And, mm -hmm. and uh, our buddy's a 
successful attorney from Orange County and loved the guy to death, very opinionated, and he goes off on just suicide. And how in the world could anyone attempt suicide? And what in the world would you be thinking if you actually had children at home? Mm. How could someone be that selfish to do that to their kids? Wow. And I just listened to them. They got in this discussion, oh, you know, anti-suicide or just not being empathetic. And I, you know, and I wasn't going to stand up and say, you know, you're all wrong and all this. I just, I just said, well, you know, don't judge. You, you just don't know what people are going through. Exactly. Because actually, if somebody goes to that point, yes, in your mind, that's the most selfish thing that they can do. But you've got to realize they also have a frame of mind that they believe the world will be a better place without them. Mm -hmm. That they're doing the world the biggest favor of all by stepping back. And so that's why the message is so important is the world needs you. The world needs your uniqueness. The world needs you to be you. Yep. So celebrate what makes you, you and shine. If it's being the best street sweeper, then as Martin Luther King said, be the best street sweeper. If it's being the best meat packer, be the best meat packer, best teacher, best truck driver. It doesn't matter. My favorite definition of success comes from Thomas Wolfe. He said, if a man has a talent and cannot use it, he has failed. Yeah. If he has a talent, uses part of it, then he has partly succeeded. But if a man has a talent and somehow learns to use the whole of it, he has gloriously succeeded and won a satisfaction and a triumph few men ever know. Mm -hmm. Success is not anything that we ever arrive at. It's nothing we possess. It's just knowing that we're doing a little bit better today than we did yesterday and a little better tomorrow than we are today. It's not the big house. It's not the fancy watch. It's not the designer yeah, clothes exactly. and the big car. Yeah. It's knowing you're enough and you're just doing your best because we're all doing our best because if you could do better, you would do better. If I could do better, I would do better. We're all doing our best. But again, back to the saboteurs, your judge is so strong in your head that you can't shut it off. So you judge everyone else. Mm-hmm. That's why we're so unhappy. That's why we're fighting. That's why there's a civil war in America today mm -hmm. is because I'm going to shame you for not wearing a mask. I'm going to shame you for this. I'm going to shame you for that because, see, I'm, I've somehow arrived. No one has. Yeah. That's one of the, one of the biggest things when Stop I look at – Stop judging. When I look at – yeah, that's, that's a big message right there. Stop judging. Oh, my gosh. Who are we to judge? <laughs> one, don't judge yourself. Yeah, start, start there. One. Yeah, start and there. And then turn it off and don't turn it outward. I think the way I view humankind, speaking to your point on everybody has a purpose, you know, there's a ton of books and a whole bunch of people to talk about purpose-driven and all that. I look at humankind as a huge dynamic puzzle. If you're not, if you're not there in the puzzle, it's not complete. Humankind is, like you said earlier, we, inter we interlink. We're social beings. We have to be doing our talent. We have to be sharing our gift. We have to be doing things that will enhance the rest of humankind. If somebody says your piece doesn't fit, maybe where they're at, your piece doesn't fit. But it fits somewhere. And our job is to go figure out where we are enough that we fit in the puzzle because and anybody maybe knows. we're just looking at the wrong puzzle. We could be looking at the wrong puzzle or the wrong at part puzzle, of it. Right. They've yeah. got a, a 50 piece 
puzzle of the zoo. And we've got a we're thousand part or of this 10, 5, 000, pieces. Yeah. yeah. Of yeah. something so intricate. We're just a little piece of the sky. Mm-hmm. But that little piece of blue sky, the sky doesn't exist without that little piece that we bring to the puzzle. Yeah. And I, I, if people would just take a moment, <laughs> realize that they have a purpose in that puzzle, I think it might be a little easier to tell that judge, you know, hey, shut it. Because, yeah, just <laughs> turn the squelch down. I can't Zip hear it. you. <laughs> I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. I yep, uh, uh, it, uh. <laughs> just know I got a whole lot of shh but, for you. But people will say, <laughs> but that voice is always there. It, that voice is not you. Mm-hmm. And you choose to listen to it. And exactly. that's why I say we need to squelch it or surrender to that unquiet mind that that unquiet mind is always there mm-hmm. you do not have to be tuned into it Turn you talk you talk about all of this in the book right yes when is that book coming out or is it already very shortly okay it please says. let me know so that we can make an announcement to our to our users and our listeners and everything because that's obviously i want a copy too um so let me know so i can go get it you got it um i had an exact release date i'm, I'm working on the I'm also an audible narrator. Yes. So I love audible, I, uh, dude. So I'm doing audible, right? And so when I take you on this journey and uh, there's sound effects. And there's oh, that's cool, noise, dude. Kind of the old, uh, kind of the old theater of the mind, old time radio. To I love those. Chapters, so. I miss that. Nobody oh. does that anymore. Those are some cool times, dude. That's why what I yeah, so when I do things on video, it's cause TV, and then audio, it's you know, it, it's an audio experience. It should be, you know, it's a listening experience. It should be though. I, I, you can't, you know, as much as I love Audible, I do miss the days when we used because there were still when we were young, there were still those radio shows that had some of that. It wasn't as much oh, as you in can the forties. I, I bet I, I should probably go hunt them down. But those oh, are they're fun. they're there on Audible, and I've got a couple of them that every once in a while I'll pull one out, and you know, it's uh. The Green Hornet. Oh, and they have them. They have them all now. They have all the old fifties radio programs. Yeah, those were cool to just go into the dark or right before you go to sleep or something. And because I remember as a kid listening to those, even though we had television, right? Believe it or not, folks, we even had color TV when I was (laughs) a kid. And but I remember just you know being in bed and turning on this uh, AM shows you how old this AM radio station. And that's what they had at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. My parents thought I was asleep. I had that old little transistor radio, you know, underneath the pillow and with a little earpiece and, and you know, it just, the theater, the mind just came alive. That's that's And now think about now it's just so passive. You know, if I don't, if I don't see something with tons of CGI and five second jump cuts, I'm just not entertained. Go into a great audio program and experience that. It's so awesome. Man, when, when the, and I think this was in the 80s, um, because technology started coming out, and then in the 90s, of course, computers started coming out and everything. There was a big push to get kids back to reading, like reading. Um, you probably remember this title. A bunch of my listeners probably won't. The Never Ending Story. That became the movie. That became the movie. And the movie sorry to say, as wonderful as it was, wasn't the same as the book because the book took you to places in your own mind that had you thinking like, whoa, what did he do? 
how did they do that? I mean, if you really, if you were really reading, and I wasn't the most avid reader, but if you were really reading, your mind would open up some pictures in your head and you'd just be like, would that, wow, what would that be like to actually have been there to really see this? Like, what if that were real? When, when, the, when the human imagination, from what I've learned, and I'm no expert in this, guys, but from what I've learned and from what I've played with, when you have a combination of words that can actually create images, sounds, I'm a musician, I, I played music, sounds that can actually incite emotion along with, that, that I will say the movie did pretty good. But when you have those two elements available to you and your mind is allowed to create the visuals, if you don't get an experience that tells you how powerful your mind is, I would be super shocked. Every human's brain can come up with some really cool stuff if you feed it the right information. Well, think about I, how Alfred Hitchcock made movies. Oh, my gosh. He, he was, was so brilliant because even when he jerk. made movies, but what did he do? He got to a place. He didn't need to show you what they show you nowadays. They don't, no. they don't need to even show you. All he would do is fade to black. Pause. Yep. That way, the viewer, they conjured up something worse than he could ever produce oh, on yeah. screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if we have that ability to create those types of pictures, it, when we squelch the saboteurs, particularly the judge and the victim, mm. and we start to preview coming attractions rather than le reliving the tragedy and start to visualize what we really want to be, have, and do with an emphasis mm -hmm. on be, not be. just have and do. Thank you. And we see that and see it not, you know, setting goals. I believe in all that. But as Billy Mandarino talks about in the now is you see it from there. Go there. Go yeah. to the end of the movie. Be present in that ending and see what it looks like and be there. Then just go back and create it. We have the capacity to do that. Yeah. But we have I, I, our imaginations to create everything. Disneyland was just a vision that Walt Disney mm -hmm. saw turning an old swampland into a thriving into a, into a thriving bustling happy place yep. and people are, ah, what you're gonna do what with with this land over here you're crazy but he had it in his mind first yep roger banister when he broke the four minute mile said this was not a triumph over anything cycle or uh, physical all mental it was a psychological barrier when he broke the four minute mile it wasn't too many years before high school kids were doing it once he broke through the four-minute mile in his head, the body followed. And we've, we've just got to think differently. And I'm afraid that's why we're going through the civil war we are right now. We're just not thinking very well. We don't have right thinking. I, I, or, or thinking at all. Um, I think a I lot of – I going to give you a little credit, but yes, <laughs> or thinking at all. <laughs> I, I, I do – I do believe that if people would take the time to actually what you're talking about in some cases is visualization. Once a human breaks a barrier, any human can break a barrier. There are those who are far enough along that will actually look at that and go, well, shit, if he can do it, so can I, I just gotta, I just gotta figure out how to do it. Their problem is going to be realizing that it was a mental barrier and they have the same barrier to break. The ones that understand that are the first ones to, to follow. When they're young but enough like that and the kids break through that mental barrier, it becomes a habit. Uh, and that's, and that's right? the other it's part. It's a template. 
nothing succeeds <clears throat> like success. And so when you overcome something like my biggest fear is fear of heights. Mm. So how did I deal with the fear of heights? Well, when I lost all my weight, I rode the 500 miles and five days on a bike. How did I celebrate? I went and jumped out of an airplane from 15,500 feet. Nice. And when I landed, I realized that fear was just between my ears. Yep. And I knew that anyway, fear is just fantasized experience appearing real. Well, then the second biggest fear I had was open water. So I have a good friend who taught me how to scuba dive. And it wasn't just, you know, we learned in his pool and then went to a place to certify. But then we went off the coast of Hawaii, actually off the coast of Lanai. Oh, boy. So know that well. And, yeah, the uh, shelf. Did you guys do the shelf or did you guys we, do we, we do things that you should not do, especially for a guy who had no huge dives like that. I still remember we're sitting in his boat, well, we're standing in his boat, getting all geared up for my first uh, shakedown dive. And uh, he just looks at me and says, do you trust me? And you'd have to know this guy. And so it, it was just, it's just his style. And I love uh -huh. the guy. Uh -huh. And he just says, do you trust me? And I said, yes. And he said, with your life? And I said, wow. yes. And two dives into it, we were doing things that people who have, I always get it wrong, if I, that have dived or dove. <laughs> that have Whichever dove. it is. Um, we were doing some pretty hairy stuff. I mean, I remember that my third biggest fear is like claustrophobia in the dark. So what does he do? He takes me under the rocks. Like we're, you know, 50 feet below. Yeah. And, but then we go into this, this, I mean, we're swimming up to it, and I'm like, oh, here's a little rock formation. All of a sudden, we're in it, and we turn on our flashlights, and all I see is the back of his fins for five minutes. Wow. There's, there's, there's no way out except forward. You can't go back, can't go up. You are in a little tube. And as I came out of that, I thought, what do you? there's nothing you can't do. You've got to just stop all this noise between your ears because – you just went and did some pretty gnarly stuff. Yeah. Once you just slow down and get the judge and all the saboteurs, squelch them and turn them off. And just to your point, be in that moment. It was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever experienced. And now I've had 50 some odd dives since then. But there's so much that we don't do because of fear or what we we think people are going to, you know, what they may judge us yeah. as yep. stop and live an extraordinary life. It's possible. And you can do extraordinary things without being rich. Just experience life in the moment to what you were saying, be present and just be yeah. We're so busy doing and having the key is to just stop and be enough because you are it really is it kicks me that a lot of people don't realize how strong that verb to be actually is it's like they never watched hamlet to be or not to be or not to be and i would <laughs> say to you most people are not to be that's and they, it's sad. they never embrace who they are yeah they sad. want to be someone else Celebrate just being who you are. God made you unique and special. Mm -hmm. You've been through unique experiences. You've had different people touch your life in a different way. You are 
who you are in such a magnificent way, mm -hmm. embrace that, celebrate mm -hmm. that, let that shine. Mm -hmm. I think more people need to realize that that's, that was the whole point of why he made us all different. If he made us all the same. I had a, a Cub Scout advisor that said, you know, cause if we all had the same taste, we'd all be chasing the same girl. So we're all different and, for and a she'd, reason. And she'd probably be scared out of her wits. <laughs> and she's glad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be different. Oh my gosh, I have to remember that one. Unique pieces of the puzzle. I only learned two things in the Cub Scouts is uh, we can't all have the same taste. We're all be chasing the same girl and don't spit in the wind. I think that's oh. all I learned in Cub Scouts. But they were two important lessons. Yeah, no, ours wasn't spitting. It was something else, but we'll leave that one alone. Um, but same idea. <laughs> and, and ours never, was a church-based Cub Scout. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, in, uh -huh. our in our case, it's just don't do it in the fan. It's even worse because um, <laughs> that means you chose to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so where can people find you? So go to, it makes it really simple. Yeah. Cause, C-O-Z. Yep. Green like the color dot mm -hmm. com. Cause okay. green dot com. And is your book going to be released there? Yes. Well, and if, uh, just stay tuned there, we'll, we'll let you know. And then the videos are cause.tv. So dot TV is like dot com. So just cause dot mm -hmm. TV. Mm -hmm. And you can watch that interview I just did with Brian Tracy. And some I definitely want to see folks. that. Yeah. I want to see that for sure. That's cool. And we keep adding things there every week. And then on the podcast, it's the cause green audio experience available on Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. Exactly. That's awesome. Except, except uh, Podbean. I don't always remember to upload it to Podbean. Whoops. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually looking at uh, moving this from anchor over to Libsyn for, for yeah, I'm on Libsyn. To, yeah, I'm probably yeah. going to move there too. Um, I'm going to refer you to Sean Douglas. He has the Life Transformation Podcast. If you haven't been on that, you need to. This particular story needs to be on that podcast. He will love you. Which um, particular story? Uh, your story. About? Yeah, your story. Well, about, put in a word, you know. Oh, I, I'll make the referral. I, I graciously re, uh, accept referrals every day. So He's if anyone listening dudes. knows a podcast I should be on or Absolutely. I do virtuals. So because of the pandemic right now, I'm obviously not on stage as a yeah. key speaker or workshop leader. But if your group would like to have a, a virtual keynote mm -hmm. or a virtual session, then just email me cause at causegreen.com. Sweet. Very simple. Very easy. Cause. <laughs> We, we've done very well on time. Thank you very much. I for believe in the here. Joe Rogan model. You just talk, and whatever time it is, I'm have, the same. I'm the same way. You know, it's not network TV. You don't need to end at exactly top of the hour. Exactly. Three-minute commercial break. Yeah, so we don't. I don't. I don't. I don't cater to big companies. Um, in fact, they would, they would probably not like me. <laughs> a different story. Um, but yeah, it, thank you for coming and hanging out, having a cup of coffee with hey, me. Hey, um, good hanging with you, Mike, and uh, we'll do this again. I, I was about to say, can we please do this again? Because I don't think we've dug half as deep as either one of us can. And I think there's a lot more to talk about, um, especially when it comes well, to Well, your listeners health. will decide whether I'm back or not. So I'll let you know. So far, um, I've already gotten a few people saying some of my guests do need to come back and they kind of fall in line with this kind of story, what's been going on. So yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back. I look forward to it. Awesome. All right, guys. So you know how we love to end this. Thank you for listening. You know we love you guys. Every one of you that listens, every one of you that downloads, subscribes. Let me see if I can do this right. Over there, if you're watching on YouTube, I always remember it's just flipped. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> so subscribe. Don't forget to hit the bell so you're notified when the next. Oh, that's right. There's a bell now. That's correct. Yeah, um, hit the bell. Hit the, bell, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you share it. Yeah, often. And uh, if you're listening on any of your podcast platforms, feel free to subscribe there or download it if you will. Um, if you ever want to see any of the other episodes, make sure you stop off at javapodcast.com, uh, javachatpodcast.com, forgive me, uh, and take a listen. I mean, I have wonderful people like this all the time. This is These are the people that I look for because they have the insights. Um, name of the book again is I Am Enough, correct? I am enough. Squelch the inner saboteurs coming soon. Make sure you guys keep an eye on it. I will probably uh, announce it on uh, on one of the podcasts. I hope I can. Um, just when it comes out, because I'm definitely ordering one. Um, stay healthy. Stay up. Stay safe. But live. Please don't go hide in a hole. There's no place for you there. You need to be out here with the rest of us. From both of us to all of you, love you guys. Ciao for now. For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.